which I divided into sort of biggish squares. And then I just started writing in those squares sounds that went together. So it was like slate goes really nicely with the straws stuck in between the strings, then bowed with a rosined hand, or the magnets go really nicely with the bolts, which also go well with if you've got a bit of inner bike tyre, which you sort of stretch around the string and then kind of bow up and down and you get this really nice vibration. So yeah, I started to basically sort of a bit anthropological, sort of gather sounds that seem to be a family. It's a sort of confusion of creating something and what is that thing and how much can you control something when you're creating it or once you've created it and how does what you imagine something's going to be match with what it actually is. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better Please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you Today we're getting better acquainted with Sarah. Hello Sarah. (laughs) Hi. I'm like, we've already done this basically, people listening at home. We had one of my favourite conversations I've had on mic for like a oh, long time. It was I'm very touched. I mean, that you and say that. we've still got that. Like they haven't. Yeah. But we've got that. <laughs> um, so at least we know that we've had that. And it was we kind were of brilliant. Actually, it, I must say. I mean, it was well. It was a beautiful conversation because it was kind of like it was in your home. It was very relaxed. But there yeah. was the children in the background, which was very pertinent to yes. the conversation we were yes. having. And, yeah. and we sort of really got into stuff and really yeah. kind of connected. Hopefully, we'll do that now. All of that. Um, yeah. You guys at home you don't get to listen to the best conversation but but this conversation will be a different one and you won't know what you're missing it might so be more far-reaching you, know, you just don't know you just don't know so this bit of the conversation is being recorded at the grosvenor hotel in uh, london victoria <laughs> the last bit of the conversation that in you'll the hear. champagne and cocktail bar right we're not drinking champagne or cocktail no we're drinking coffee <laughs> um, and the last bit of the conversation that you'll hear will be the last bit of the conversation we had because we, yes. we had to pause it while you went uh, to to, to, to stop your sore. stop your child yeah. from crying, and uh, then we had the last bit of the conversation. So that is still there. I deleted it. It's one of those things. I, every time I've deleted a conversation, it's been like, don't worry about the background. Okay, sound. all right. Like, like just relax. Okay. Uh, the, the audience at home will have to worry about the background sound, but you, you are the guest. And okay. You don't, you don't need to worry about all right, it. All right. Although you're someone who deals in sounds, so yeah, you are aware yeah, yeah, of the issues. Yes. So yeah, like every time I've deleted something on the show, it's always been like these amazing. I mean. Because every, every moment that you record is a moment you can't recapture. Yeah. The only time I've had someone actually do a proper, like, like they performed a song on a guitar, yeah. I managed to delete that. So, uh, so it, your conversation kind of joins the ranks of lots of sad moments that I've lost. But I had, yeah, but, but they, I also you know, lost. Yeah, special it's secret moments, you know. That's it. it. That's right. It's like, as you say, you still had the conversation. It's just, right. you know. I it's have to rely on recorded. memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How exactly. rubbish is that? Yeah. So this is kind of a snatched moment. We're gonna, and so I'll have a very different energy because we're like, you're going off back to Brighton, yeah. and I'm like, we've rushed here to yeah. capture this moment. We're, so it's very but the also opposite. Also, it's quite of funny because um, yesterday I was emptying a folder full of maps, 
and you know actually it's weird how it used to be quite a big deal to be able to get a map and then be able to print it that sound that really ages me but like that used to be like a thing and so I had this folder full of maps of like different cities that I might go back to and so that would be useful if I still had the map no it's just funny just this idea of sort of what we retain and what we have to remember and what's hard copy and what's brain copy and you know and also recently I threw away all the programs of gigs that I'd ever been to so I just thought ah come on this is silly and then instantly I thought that's really silly that I threw them all away I should have like at least photographed them or something you know because there's so many gigs that you go to that so suddenly you're reminded of and you think oh that was amazing you know but actually until you remember it you feel like you don't have it so I suppose it's the yeah anyway no sure it's like (laughs) it's a sort of strange thing like this show generally is like all of these moments I've captured and then I listen back to them later on and re-edit them and all of that stuff so I like yeah. I never really know what's really happening and right. what isn't you know right. yeah. so yeah I mean so the first question I ask everybody yeah. is how do you know me so I know you through my husband Rich you went to university together that's right and you've been on the show before like uh, we went into this loads in the first version of this you were like one of the early people on the show so this time round you've got more listeners that you're speaking yeah, yeah. to which is great but the last time I had you on the show, uh, which I recommend people listening back to, we, we talked about kind of things that will cross over with what we talked about sure. today. Because we were talking about a music festival you were running and and the piano in general, which is a big part of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So the second question I ask everybody is, what do you do now? So at the moment, everything is coming out of my quest to build a new piano. That's sort of like the central thing. Basically, inside the piano is lots of strings that are normally just touched by hammers, which are working because you've pressed a key down. And I and many others feel that actually it's, it's also fun to play directly on those strings. Now, I'm clearly not the first person to do it. Percy Granger is uh, the earliest composer in 1916 to have written something using a mallet to strike the strings Henry Cowell did it in 1923 uh, with Aeolian Harp anyway there's lots of interesting people John Cage, George Crumb and basically I just realised after playing quite a lot of inside piano music and that actually standing up putting your foot on one pedal leaning inside and um, trying to sort of avoid the music stand and look at the keys and it was just all really really uncomfortable so um, you can kind of get the feeling in your body um, if you're listening to this right now by standing up leaning forward from the hips about 30 degrees and then sticking your arms out and imagining writing 10 emails (laughs) it's just not comfortable in any way so I thought I was asking quite a simple question, which is, how might we change the piano? And it's kind of led to this long uh, journey, really, of actually building instruments and then trying them and discovering what they do as well. And then that's led into making a show and making my own music. And I was just talking to a student before I came here, actually, and she was in that kind of, um, oh, God, who's the famous quote that confusion's the beginning of wisdom? Is it Socrates or someone? I don't know. Yeah, it's a philosopher, confusion's the beginning I'm, I'm of wisdom. I'm tempted to fake it. I don't know. And uh, she was kind of saying, you know, I just don't really know where I am at, who I am, what I'm doing, what's it all for. And she was sort of saying, I just feel so cowardly. And it's like, no way, man, you're the bravest thing at the moment, because actually to say I don't know. And I suppose I feel a bit like deciding to restructure the instrument that I'd spent, you know, 30 plus years playing sort of throws up the same situation of like, whoa, where am I? You know, what is this? And actually, artistically, that's a really energetic liberating thing to do because suddenly you have to respond and then it becomes quite a 
you know, interactive situations. So. Yeah, I mean... That was yeah, a very long-winded answer. I could have it, just said, I'm doing some gigs. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, absolutely, that's fine. Don't, don't worry about... Long-winded is great on this show. This is what I want. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you spent a lot of years basically playing the piano. Being a, yeah, and classical being a, pianist. A pianist. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you decided to sort of take that... that piano apart and one of the things that kind of I know from our, our previous conversation is that as a pianist you were quite like mathematical about like learning like the structures right, yeah. of it all mm. but when you took apart that that piano and started taking it apart you suddenly kind of re re changed your kind of, a bit, yeah. yeah and changed your relationship with it it was much yeah. more physical it was yeah. much more kind of emotional uh, Absolutely. process yeah I mean basically in 2008 the first piano that I made was back to front so the treble was on the left and the bass was on the right and none of the notes were what they said they were in other words the keyboard stayed where it was and I rotated the strings 180 degrees that's why it was backwards um, and it was just to test the kind of structural idea of having strings that start at the keyboard and go up rather than in an upright piano they go down to the ground and in a grand piano obviously they're horizontal and yeah it was just so crazy to suddenly be like worse than a grade one pianist because <laughs> right. I like I couldn't even play a C major scale because yeah. I didn't know where a C major scale was and it would have gone down but it would have sounded like it was going up and you know just like right. sort of like how I imagine you know that the, the famous sort of urban myth test where they put glasses so that people would see the world upside down Right. And like apparently their brains adapted, and then they took their glasses off, and they took three weeks to, to figure work out, out the world. That, right, the world was <laughs> So um, yeah, so it was kind of it felt a bit like that. I tried playing scored music on it, which was just insane because it's just like everything in my brain was wired in, in a different way, you know. It's right. like, hang on, this. And so because of that, I started making basically I started making three note tunes because I found a note, and then I found another note that went with it, and then I found another, and it was like being a beginner pianist. Right. And then. I I realised it was sort of like when I was a kid and I just used to sit and play the piano, I used to play my favourite thing to do used to be to play a chord, the same chord, just like for ages and ages and ages and ages which of course would have been quite found upon by my mum, you know, she would have been like, come on get, get, yeah, <laughs> get yeah. back to your practice right. what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, so just kind of um, yeah, relishing it I suppose and relishing it in a sort of very simple form and then and then you know, in a lot of avant-garde music, melody is quite frowned upon, frankly. I do remember going through a whole phase where I was a bit offended by major thirds and octaves and stuff, you know. <laughs> and that's tragic, but you've got to go to these places, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I think, or some people do. Well, I think making, making music, making art in general, is about kind of going, following a path as far mm. as you go. And right. so sometimes that means you get very, very, like, yeah, reject all of melody. Um, but then I think because we have, like, this, these much, you know, these long human lives we you know we once you get to the end of that road then you you come back and often go the other way I mean uh, you see mm. this with uh, musicians and with in fact with with all sorts of artists in fact I, th I remember from the first time we had this conversation yeah. that I, I, I re refer to your uh, husband Richard yeah. who began when I used to know him as, as he hated the idea of scripts he didn't like scripted yeah, right, theatre yes. and then and, and I I wrote scripts and so that was a tension between us but now now he's come all the way around to scripts and, and it's quite funny and charming to me when he sort of says oh 
you know, scripts are really interesting. It's like, well, I, I know. I've been writing them all the time. Yeah. And, you know, m- myself, I'm no longer scripted. This isn't scripted. Right. Uh, although if I was going to script it, you know, uh, I, would, I would definitely want to get the early, the, the, the transcripts <laughs> of that first one. I do remember that I said that on my website it says, pianist, performer, inventor, mum. Right. Yes, yeah. I did remember that. Right, and that's basically all of the things that kind of have come together in yes. this show that yes. you are doing, this live show, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, what is that live show? So basically, that live show is, it starts off as me introducing the piano and talking about why I built it and starting to reveal it theatrically, pushing it around, pushing it so that eventually it's kind of in the centre ready to be played and and then the story kind of gradually morphs so that actually the piano kind of becomes part of the domestic furniture and I suddenly start doing kind of maternal actions around it and then it, it sort of becomes a baby and it's kind of about birth and then uh, so it's a sort of confusion of um, creating something and what is that thing and and how much can you control something uh, when you're creating it or once you've created it and how does what you imagine something is going to be match with what it actually is and so it's me pushing a piano around it's me playing music my own music and pre-recorded voiceover of kind of my thoughts that gradually merge into telling the birth story of my son so yeah it's kind of a bit of a journey from from straight piano into big life right and there's sort, of, there's, there's sort of three layers to it of like the music then the visual element of the yes. actual seeing this this changed and created yes. recreated yeah. piano and then yeah. there's then, and then there's the truth the true story right. and, the, and, and your thoughts yeah so actually even though it might sound really avant-garde we were, we were you know as as we've already discussed it it actually isn't that it's quite a direct experience it's a very personal experience and the the reactions that you've been having from audiences have have been kind of ones of like this chimes with my life experience yeah. rather yeah. than wow I, I appreciated that artistic yes. journey yes. Know, it's or much it more of like this is or, right yeah, yeah. exactly uh, oh my god it was completely alarming I mean in, in, in um, one of the places where I went to one of the women came up to me afterwards and said wow I, I really know where you're at I nearly died in childbirth and I was just like oh my goodness <laughs> You, you, you had it a bit worse than me. Right. <laughs> I'd nearly die. Right. You know, but she was like feeling like I'd, you know, sort of gone there, but in a like healthy way for her, like to, I don't know, sort of be able to reflect on that experience. And she found it kind of deeply therapeutic. And, you know, yeah. a, a lot of people seem to cry, but they also laugh in the funny bit. So, wow, look at that. Look at that. that. That was a bit of laughter That's on a moment. Cue. That's a moment, you see. You know. You get you get the good and the bad with that. Brown <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's and that's also something that kind of chimes with what I've been doing with my solo show yes, recently, yeah. like looking at masculinity and, and talking about that. Is that I've had sort of similar experiences, uh, but generally with men sort of right, crying yeah. and, and saying, "Wow, that's that's like my life experience." Yes. Although I've also had you know women who who, who I've done has chimed with too, and I and I think you've had a couple of like dads here yeah, and there sort yeah, of like yeah. be interested it's in what you're humbling. doing. Isn't it? And it just sort of feels like useful somehow. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I feel yeah. like it's the first time I've kind of done something useful rather than just 
like art for art's sake, you know yeah. what I mean? Just, no, I yeah. feel the same way. And it's yeah. kind of like you sort of stumbled on this usefulness by accident. <laughs> yeah, like you're just so used to being like, yeah, noodling around on right. weird things that right. no one gets. And then right. suddenly everyone's like, whoa, I get this. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. good. I mean, yeah. I guess I always wanted that, but I, I, I didn't expect it to happen. Yeah. yeah, it's great. I feel kind of addicted to it at the moment. Right. And then I'm also meeting like uh, parents around the country in places where I go to. So yeah, on my website, is, there's a talk to me tab and basically I'm just looking to meet people and talk to them about their stories. I sort of felt like, well, I get to tell mine simply because I built a crazy piano, but actually everyone's got a story. And um, yeah, and we were talking before about how dramatic birth stories are right. and how they're sort of innately amazing theatre. Right. Because, <laughs> right. you know, everyone knows what the ending should be. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's all this kind of high drama of, like, pain and, and like, what's the extreme you can go to and um, how are the relationships and, you know, what, how do you feel going into it and what's it doing to you? How are you growing and changing as well during that experience? Right. And, you know, yeah, so it's been really humbling and, and, and like really interesting reading people's birth stories and listening to them and right yeah so that's that's another kind of angle of reality i guess yeah enjoying yeah and and as you're sort of like kind of it's partly you're making a kind of community or you're sort of getting audience responses to what you're doing yeah Uh, and that's kind of i don't know that's that's similar to sort of things i've been doing yeah you did a survey right yeah right yeah which is you know i mean i think you hit a lot more people than i have so far but sounds really great that I mean it sounds important frankly yeah the kind of area that you're looking at well it's interesting getting those responses back and you you'll have found this as well like that you, you sort of it, how similar but different people's different experiences are and, and all of these things kind of get yes. brought out when you do this and the kind of how, how different everyone is but also how this how similar we all are how the same we all are yes. kind of really gets brought out when you do these things of like asking for people's testimony I guess about yes. their lives yeah. talking about the the drama of the birth story I mm. I didn't say this first time around so this is new, new material guys <laughs> but, but I mean it, it strikes me now that it's kind of a, a little bit like they talk about like Hitchcock, uh, the drama and suspense of the, the thriller in Hitchcock, he always said, like, you tell the audience that there's a bomb under the table, and then when you see the people at the table, you're tense the whole way through because you know there's a bomb there, yeah. rather than just at the end, like, suddenly an explosion. Right. Like, that would be no drama. That would just be some people at a table, and then they suddenly explode. But if you right. know the bomb's there, yes. then you're worried the whole time. And the kind of birth story is kind of the ultimate, like bomb under the table we know there's a baby inside we know it's got to get out yeah. uh, and so the whole like we don't know how that's going to happen or you know and of course, of course there are complications things can go different ways yeah. um, than that but we, we I think we, for we women about happening. the last three months feels like the bomb under the table right right yeah because <laughs> you longer you suddenly, than that, maybe yeah. yes probably yeah yeah a lot of people feel very anxious and you know there, there's some really great books but there's also a lot of you know kind of general fear and yeah we were talking a lot about how to go into an experience like that because you know at least if you're going to run a marathon you've probably done some training but you can't really train to give birth you can't really do anything I mean you know there's there's kind of the odd technique for whatever but there's not really you know other than sort of trying to keep fit which was all right the first time around but the second time around of course you've got a kid to look after so you don't really get around to it I mean actually you're lucky if you remember that you're pregnant you know you sort of go oh yeah all right yeah we were talking about yeah going into the experience of birth and just sort of the difference when you can feel like you're going to trust yourself and you can go for it and feel enabled in that and 
other times where you might either you've been told that you know physically it's not going to work out and you're going to have to you know go through a cesarean or something or just you know your own kind of anxiety holds you back I mean I'm fairly kind of ballsy um, sort of confident or just sort of stupid um, <laughs> don't stop to think You're direct, direct and you know what you want right and so I was quite sure that I wanted the home birth and I was kind of just going to try and get into the thinking of it and um, yeah, we didn't do any hypnobirthing. I do remember we borrowed one hypnobirthing CD, and I was listening to it one night, and basically it's this woman kind of going, you believe that you will open like a flower, it will be great, you will, you know, breathe your baby into the world, you know, all this kind yeah. of stuff. And Rich was just like, let's be going, it's rubbish, it's going to really, really hurt. <laughs> yeah, you don't need his realistic streak, uh, probably, I was necessarily, like, Rich, yeah, sometimes. Like, Rich, you're just not entering yeah. into this in the right spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but you know, obviously, I just told him to shut up. Right. Um, but yeah. So. But you are somebody who who advocates for yourself, like for what you want, right? And that's a great thing. I'm not saying that's a bad yeah. thing. But one of the interesting things which we which I know from talking about this sort of stuff with you before is yeah. that like one of the things you you discovered is how kind of disempowering yeah. the process of birth can be at least within like the medical like yeah. where, how you intersect right. with medicine and stuff I did like tell, that. You, tell you about the uh, the situation when Stan was breached and um, I mean it was like ridiculous as early as about 29 weeks the midwife said oh you'll have to have a cesarean I was like what hasn't even like finished growing it you know and then yeah I got into a situation where I basically had to hunt down um, an expert on natural breech birth because otherwise I was just going to be given a cesarean and that was that um, and they gave me a weekend to kind of um, read eight academic papers and form a conclusion on from those papers and then sort of feedback to them as to you know whether my decisions still stood <laughs> so I read them all and said yes my decision still stands this is my conclusion you know but I mean that's a ridiculous thing you know well you're an most, academic right, so you can do that which is a tiny percentage of the population yeah, yeah. Uh, you know totally totally stupid where actually the conversation should be okay so you want to try this great so these are the these are the things we'll do if it gets to this point and it's just too difficult we'll do this you know but like surely the conversation should start with if you want to try we're going to try and support that right and I suppose if I was wanting to advocate anything it would just be that actually that that people are given the chance to have natural births more I mean we were talking about the stats like 50% cesareans you know it's just I mean there just can't be 50% of the population that need a cesarean it's just not likely right I mean I'm not a medical person but it just doesn't seem to me that women's bodies are you know not I mean they're designed to give birth you know of course there's cases where it'll be necessary for whatever reason but and then the whole induction thing and yeah so there's sort of like there's kind of something political buried behind me telling the story I guess which is that I suppose I was left with a sense of unease as to why Stan had been put in danger basically and I think it was through kind of panic and fear and those sorts of things not from me from the midwife Um, and I think that um, you know that's just a shame hilarious Paul Simon, yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it reminds me of when I went on the radio when I was about 11 and the man said to me, what music do you like? And I said, I really like Paul Simon. And then I got home my mum was like, why didn't you say Mozart? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I really like listening to pop music. You know, thinking I was really cool. Brilliant. It's only because my sister had Paul Simon. I probably wouldn't have known about it otherwise. Well, I mean, Paul, that- si- Paul Simon's like pretty good. I, yeah. I, I, I prefer his early stuff with Garfunkel. 
but uh, yeah. <laughs> My sister also liked Marillion, so I mean, you know. Well, Marillion are good too, sometimes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quite picky, but I like a broad range. It's like I'll like one or two songs by most artists. Um, but yeah, does it feel like we're at a wedding there, though? Doesn't it does, it? it does a bit. I mean, it's kind of like interesting doing a conversation about, you know, about music with music in the yeah, background. Yeah, I mean, I guess weird. that kind of works. But we we can also tell the listener that we're sitting on like ten foot high Thrones. blue chairs. Yeah, they're completely thrones. crazy. Yeah, we yeah. look really important. Well, they're kind of like <laughs> velvet thrones. They're velvet thrones. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Why wouldn't Which we? Is, you know, <laughs> you too can experience these velvet thrones if you come to the Grosvenor Hotel uh, near London, Victoria. Bar. Yeah. <laughs> We talked as well about how just talking about birth yeah. is an unusual sort of thing to do within culture. Like people don't feel like they, they like women talk about birth yeah, to women each other. Do. Yeah, massively. But, but talking about it kind of publicly to like and and, mm. and talking about like the, the negatives and the positive, like all of the, mm. the, the whole gamut of it. Mm. I mean, it's something that I've experienced a lot because I've worked with new mums a lot and so I've heard a lot of birth stories and you know my mum told me lots of, about her birth stories and stuff um, so I'm quite familiar with it but I don't think culturally men generally are, are used to or comfortable with talking about like, like right. the, the birth experience yeah. the best moment in our NCT course I mean you'll appreciate this because you're Richard's friend Basically, um, the, the woman was talking about birth and how it goes, you know, this, this 13 hours of, you know, craziness. She sort of said, you know, at the end of the first period, which is like when you're opening like a flower, <laughs> um, and there's this thing called transition, which is apparently where suddenly the woman goes, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, and then you're about to start pushing and it's about to start like really happening. And, um, and she said, you know, what the woman needs at that stage is just empathy. That's all she needs. She doesn't need reassuring. She doesn't need, you know, anything complicated. It's just empathy. I can see you're having a tough time. You know, you're, 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 you're struggling here. And I'm, I'm with you in that, you know, rather than like, well, see if you could, you know. Anyway, when she said empathy, Rich said, oh, yeah, I've heard about this. <laughs> I've heard women need this. Right. It's curious, isn't it? That does sound, that does sound very like Richard. Oh, empathy, that's yeah. an interesting idea. I shall practice some of it. The birth experience as well, they're so varied. There's so yeah. so many kinds of births yeah. that people can have. Like when we talked the first time round, I sort of was talking about like the two very very different births that my niece had, and mm. which I, I recorded a conversation about them, right. uh, and that was kind of like the worst and the best birth stories yes. were her two birth, birth stories, and and so even within the same person, yes. those birth stories could be so different. Yes. But also, you know, I've heard so such a variety. So like. The one I, t- I told you about before was my 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 mum often says you know giving birth to her second child was the most <laughs> sexual experience of her life and that's weird for me because I am her second child um, so that is a weird thing to know that you've provided your mother with by accident I mean but that Funny always except for all the nappy changes but that surprises me like that surprises me so much that, that that's such an ex- like I think that is. The, I've, I've never really heard another woman really say. Like, there's a few. There's a few I know, that, I know there's there, stories yeah. out there, but I've never heard known yeah. anyone else with yes. a similar birth sort yeah. of situation to that as my mum. So I don't want like I don't want anyone listening to go, oh, excellent! I can't wait to give birth. That's going to be great, great time because it's so it's so do, random. Do. You just don't know. Get a birth pool though, if you can. Right. We so, found it was cheaper to buy one than rent one, but anyway, we don't need to get into you know top tips. But, it's, but. but it seems like a beautiful thing, water births. Like yeah, that was my my niece's second birth. 
yeah. was a water birth and so it just sounds amazing. Also, what's really, really cool is when they come up to you, they're already washed. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. Right. Amazing pink what? baby. Yeah. I saw a beautiful, a, a beautiful video of these two twins who had been born and they hadn't, like, they, they, they didn't know they were born yet and they, were, they the doctor was just, like, running their head, them underneath the tap to try and wake them up. And, like, just the, these two sort of sleeping twins, like, entwined together, like, still thinking they're in the womb. And then, like, they gradually start to be aware that they're in the world. Like, like I mean, it's that's the other thing. It's it's like a Lazarus moment, isn't it? It's like suddenly a, a, a being becomes alive, like, yeah. takes a real first breath and all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, there really is so much drama to breath. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that we make any, any, any tell any other stories, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, and, and I mean... I, I, like it's over, man's world, Dave. Well, <laughs> over Christmas I saw a bit of Call the Midwife and I totally understand why that's a really popular show right, right, because right. It, it is such a dramatic moment. Yeah. And there are so many different kinds of stories you can tell yeah. around. And so, yours, so yeah. yeah, sorry. No, no well, I was just thinking about music since, uh, you know, we've got this music on and sorry to make a mad leap. No, sure. just, I've just had an amazing experience um, at the uni where I work at Brunel. I've just listened to all my second years in their sort of experimental music module. Well, actually, it's just second year performance, but I give them this task, which is go forth and discover, you know. Um, and they've just been playing all these kind of really new things, and it's amazing to see them kind of like coming out of themselves a bit and, you know, in- engaging with quite different things, you know, people just chucking the music away and right. getting some pedals or whatever. And Yeah, I don't know, it's just... Um, well, I mean, all of this stuff does tie up really well, because, I mean, the, the thing of it is, and I said it the first time around, is that, like, kind of creating something is a kind of birth. It's a kind right. of creation of, uh, like, I, I often think of my work as kind of like children. I mean, um, Nick Nick Cave called calls his songs his sad-eyed little children, oh. which I think is a, a nice a nice phrase. You you you've got like you know the creation of music. You've got the creation of like your album that you've kind of given birth to. You've got the creation of your show that you've kind of given birth to. You've got the creation of these instruments that you kind of invented mm. and, and and given birth to. And then you've got your real actual two births that you've yeah. had, and kind of those things have kind of all come together in this show that you're making now. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, mean, I do think there's a bit of um, that. I think there's uh, maybe uh, I've discovered since becoming a mum a bit of a kind of right. I can't waste any time. Sort of an attitude, I suppose. It's a bit like um, new mums will will appreciate this when you suddenly when they fall asleep and, you're, and it's like someone's pressed the play button. You know, suddenly you can go right. Okay, go go go. Do whatever it is that you've got to and you know they're going to wake up and it's like a sort of hideous alarm clock that you just can't control <laughs> right. and, and actually sort of efficiency in nap times is like something that's really educated me to, <laughs> to sort of not stand still and to, right. I mean I've always been fairly I don't know I get bored easily like you know quite like to go to the next thing to the yep. next thing yep. but yeah I think that's just maybe accelerated and sort of uh, maybe just expanded, perhaps. Since how did you decide to take on the theme of a childbirth and being a mother right. in your show? Well, I do think, like I was saying earlier, I do think there's a sort of therapeutic quality, isn't there, to working through things in in our art? I mean, that's what we do, isn't it? Yeah. Um, sure. I was just listening to the new David Bowie album the other night, which is really kind of, it is a bit transcendental, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like loads of drum and bass and like lush harmonies and very kind of 
sunshiny somehow. I don't know, there's a real life high kind of warmth that comes through in it. And obviously that was him kind of working through dying and, you know, trying to get his head around what that was. And, um, well, I'm imagining, I mean, obviously I don't know, so I'm completely right, <laughs> putting my thoughts exactly, into his sure. album. But, so I think it was it was that really, that I'd had this birth and we'd had this experience where we kind of, you know, didn't know if Stan was going to live or not. A real, like, intense m- moment of weightlessness, the show's called Moments of Weightlessness, where I was kind of in hospital, really not knowing. Um, and I wasn't with him because he was on a different floor. So it was just hideous, you know, like all the wrong hormonal things after you've given birth. Right. And it was it was dead misty. And there was these seagulls come flying in and out of the mist. So it was literally all I could see when they appeared and then they went away. And, it, like, it's just the most sad hour of my life. I just cried my heart out, really. Right. And I suppose that just really stayed with me, the kind of gravitas of that. And then kind of working through it I mean of course I was dealing with a new baby so I wasn't sitting around writing a diary or something but I suppose it's just it was in the back of my mind and then the piano came back to me I guess it's two years after May 2014 he was born May 2012 and there was this surprising characteristic of the piano which I'd commissioned from Pierre Malbos which was to be an upright grand piano and you know lots of sensible things about putting the action behind the strings and all this kind of stuff but the the one thing that I wasn't expecting was that it'd be a swinging piano it's attached to its frame by a pivotal point so that the whole frame if you imagine an upside down V it can flatten through me ratcheting the frame and so it can go from being a two and a half meter tall piano and it slowly gradually comes down sort of to the horizontal so that I can move it put it into a van and so it was just some, some, something really sparked in my head I was I was like number one I've got a swinging grand piano surely yeah. this should be in a theatre show yes. <laughs> number two oh isn't that an interesting metaphor because you, you know you think you know what you're making and really you've got no idea right and, um, and was... it sort of came very quickly yeah. actually and it was December that year that I made that I did the premiere of the show so it was a very fast kind of response and it was in the summer that I was making the show so it must have all triggered really quickly in my head I think and actually when I went into the space in uh, in Brighton to start working on the show literally within about the first two days I had the show so again that was the sort of birth of like whoa here's splurge you know right and so you sort of like had the intuitive. pregnancy of it for those two years <laughs> I mean I do, do yeah, think that right, creating right. stuff is like that yes. like sometimes like I read a thing today about writing and, and, and like kind of going against this myth of like you have to write every day that, that everyone has different okay. rhythms right. and like this yes. idea when people try and force themselves and I think that's another thing like that part of the creative process is the bit that people you know hate themselves and feel guilty about where they're where they're they're literally like processing it all and then sometimes you can like you can feel like you're not doing anything for months and then suddenly it all comes out as one piece perfect and you've been working for months you just haven't realized yeah well, what was I reading the other day? I can't remember the source at all, the author or anything, but it was about exactly that, basically, that when you feel like you're being sort of active in your brain, you know, you're deliberately working on something that actually um, you might be. Um, we're just being given some very nice-looking snacks. Thank you. Thank Classic me. Yeah, we're fitting in. This is, this is all right. Right, what was the saying about a creative process before the snacks came? The thing that you can't remember where you read it. You know, when you're, I don't know, working on your maths problem, you feel like you're really working on your maths problem but actually it's when you stop working on your maths problem that your brain goes right I'll sort this out now it was about consciousness and subconscious I suppose and it's exactly the same with exercise not that I do any anymore but 
I remember from from the days when I did there used to be you know they say if you do a big run you've got to rest the next day because it's actually the next day when you're resting that your muscles go right better get ready for the next one of those and so it's all about passivity and activity isn't it and sort of yeah yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, and one of the things that, like, I remember you saying in the first conversation is that the that that's how it was like a birth in the, like, we kind of suggested this already, but it was, what you explicitly said was that you don't know what's going to happen. You think you know. You, 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 you yeah. say to yourself before you go into this birth, I know how that's going to happen. And you also having a child, you go, I'm going to be this kind of mother. Yeah, I'm going to do this and that and this. And it all turns out very different because yeah. it's life. That's yeah. And, and you, the, this idea of getting this piano was similar. You thought it was going to be yeah. not on a pendulum, but no. it was. And that yes. was like, whoa, this is a t- completely different thing than I expected. But it, 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 it is what it is, and it's yes. what I've got, and I, I love it. And, and I that's kind of like about, a, a, a kid. You're making me think, yeah, a lot about fluidity. I'm sure there's something that there's a fleet of foot or momentum or yeah. lightness or something. Hmm. Yeah, I, know, I mean... And, uh, yeah, the other I'm not moving from my throne though. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, we're not moving at the moment, that's true. Also, the piano itself having this pendulum like element to it means that on stage you can move it around. Yeah. And that is kind of also mirroring the process of like like having a child and moving them around yeah, and yeah. trying to get them to sleep Pushing in different a ways and all that and stuff. Yeah, 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 rocking them, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and I mean it does swing in the show, which is awesome to yeah. see. So, you know, yeah, have a listen to the album and then come and see the show and see it actually move. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm making an installation as well, which is still in development um, with Felix's machines, um, Felix Thorne. He runs a company called 10 Hertz, which you should check out because it's amazing. And, um, yeah, I'm going to try to create an installation that somehow alludes to the feeling of a woman who hasn't quite got around to having kids and you're approaching the dreaded 4 and and like society is basically saying you know there's going to be all sorts of problems if you don't get on with it you know there was a funny Guardian article at the time when I was about 38 <laughs> so right. I should be getting on with it and, uh, and it said it was like some man sort of, or a woman I can't remember which perspective but anyway saying I just can't go near any women who are approaching this age who haven't had kids yet because the giant ticking sound is just too off-putting right. <laughs> so, so yeah it's an installation called Body Clock which hopefully is going to somehow conjure that right. I guess the bomb under the table yeah I mean, cause you, cause you, I mean yeah you did have your children like, I guess relatively late yeah like, I mean my, and my mum it took me a while my, to my sister meet Rich you know? I know right I remember like when because when, Rich is a little bit younger than you and I remember yeah, like when seven years right and so right I was saying I was I was giving some room for, for, for Maneuver but fair enough like and, and I remember when when you guys met like it was a surprise did you all think God he's got a well, really old bird no 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 we didn't but I remember thinking that like it's a different it's definitely a different kind of consideration to, to make for someone who's seven years younger yeah like that, that you're at the stage where you you're going to want to have children right. and he has to be like all in or or not you know yes. that was and, well I think it didn't occur to him for a couple of years because I was whatever you know 33 I suppose when we met so yeah, or something it, like that it anyway, didn't occur, it really... maybe if it, it didn't occur to him but it, it certainly occurred to like all of you all of us <laughs> although I mean you know our, you know our mutual friend Clive had had his kids quite young as well and they believe in having kids young so him him being someone who goes on about that all the time puts yeah. it in your head a little bit more that's interesting yeah I mean, and, and, and but of course, you know, lots of women don't want to have children. Lots of women yeah. have children at different, all different ages, exactly. and it, and it, and again, like like childbirth, 
it, it is so varied. Like, yeah. there, there are plenty of people who have children very late, and it's fine. Yeah. Like, this idea that we, that's like a, a massive taboo, and we should There's like. There's a lot be, of rules that come out, aren't there, generally? Yeah. I mean, on the radio, weren't we told last week that you can't drink any alcohol at all? I mean, that was like. Well, we have been told of, yeah. that all the time. And, right. and like, they, they switch around. Like, yes. I remember it was like beer was good, wine was bad, and then it was wine was good, and <laughs> beer was bad. And like, it does. It's a bit like a sort of uh, yeah, a parent that can't sort themselves out. You just think, well, I'm just going to ignore you now. Right. It's, it's, You've got to find your own yeah. way of doing it. Yeah, like, yeah. I remember listening to this terrible program. It was like the first 1,000 days of a child's life, you know, and how that's basically going to form them for the whole life. And how therefore your toddler must be eating a nice mix of fruit and vegetables. And I was just thinking, this is going to turn out really badly because Daddy eats Weetabix. Right. <laughs> but, but you know, then no. loads of other people say like stories of some woman taking the kid to the doctor and saying, they're only eating pizza, you know, whatever. And the doctor says, well, do they look ill? And the woman's going, no. And he's like, okay, well, bring them back where they look ill. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like, that? like all of these things, it's like we learn more and more, but at the same time, for years and years and years, we didn't know this stuff and people were doing things fine and it's a little bit like what you what you're talking about with in terms of agency in terms of birth that like now people are, are told what to do and they're not kind of like given the, the permission to listen to themselves to listen to their bodies I'd never thought of those of connecting those two things for some reason but you're completely right yeah I'm going to check the time because I don't want to keep you so low because the, the other thing is you've got to kind of get get back tonight to, to see your children before they go to bed so yeah. again there's kind of like a, a child related element to the yeah, kind of background yeah. of this well, moment that's, yeah, yeah. yeah that's um that's because i then do see them all day tomorrow as well so and then they'll be away yeah um so yeah this, it's, it's quite strange I was talking to Rich last night about this actually the the sense that once you do have a child there's this kind of you know I mean, I've been really lucky in doing loads of work and travelling and all sorts of things, but there is a sort of deep kind of background sense of separation somehow. It is a bit odd. And it's very traumatising leaving them and they're sort of holding on to you. I mean, I know that every single parent has this, and frankly, you know, as soon as you leave the nursery, apparently they're completely fine. Um, <laughs> you right. know, but it is, it does kind of play on your mind, I think. Right, and your youngest is going through a very mum-related phase yeah, as well. Yeah. There is a sort of, yeah, there's a sense that, like, you're not quite in the right place until you're back there again. It's strange. I mean, those sorts of things you can't feel until until you're in it. And then... And it's not even, yeah, I mean, I don't know, yeah, it's not tangible, you know, it's kind of... I mean, are they just, like, always there, kind of, like, in periphery of your mind? I I don't know, because, I mean, I suppose in the one sense, yes, but it's more like in your belly, I think, strangely. Well, or Um, not strangely, in some ways. Yeah, because it's not like I'm, you know, when I'm on stage playing the piano, I'm thinking about them or something, yes, like physical... Sensor, yeah, I don't know, it's odd. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're forever changed, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is that you've gone through a process. I mean, we were talking about this the first time round, like, there's a traumatic element to the, the process of giving birth. Your body goes through a big, massive change. Mm. So that's going to live in your body for, mm. the, for, you know, in a good way or a bad way or, mm. a, or a neutral way for the rest of your life, I yeah. guess. So, we're going to finish up this conversation in the past, uh, talking relaxedly in uh, in your in your house in Brighton, um, and yeah. I, I, how do you feel? Do you think we've managed to capture? We captured something, I think, of what yeah, we had before. Yeah, I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it's uh, it's really nice of you to you know do it again because uh, obviously it's um, you know, it's all time. But yeah, so well, you say it's nice, no. but at the same time it's my fault we lost it. In the yeah, first but place, no, so. I appreciate. What was lost is lost, but hopefully you've got something uh, new. We've had a new experience that we wouldn't have had. So I think for us, we, we've we're, we're really doing well. We've got two different conversations. <laughs> we can pick the best out of them to remember in our in our memories. Um, and listeners, uh, you just get this kind of half of one and half of another and here's the half of the other here we are yeah so it's been quite a long break um which is not an in, i'm not sort of like that's not me being passive aggressive i realize that's something no, quite passive aggressive no i didn't take it like that <laughs> because it's taken a long time to get the kids to sleep yeah they seem to be asleep now we've yeah. got a monitor in the room we'll find out if, we'll find <laughs> out if they're not yeah what i was going to ask you yeah. is um so the album itself, yes. is that related to the mother being a mother thing? or um, Not as much at all. I mean, there's a couple of tracks that are from the show that came out of putting the piano in different positions and discovering what kind of lent itself to that. So, for example, there's a scene called Sleep Scene where I collapse after having tried to like feed the kids, change the nappy, entertain them, be hilarious, blah, 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 blah. Um, and in a sort of really manic way that just gets a bit out of control and I sort of collapse on the keyboard and fall asleep and and the music of that is on the album um, it's called Sleep Scene <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's uh, the Seagull Chorale which is like the music that's that goes with the whole like birth story bit uh, which I made um, for a bit of geekery with uh, looping different layers um, and then assigning those loops to Wii controllers, which I swung and then I assigned the like swinging parameter, I think they call it yaw, um, <laughs> uh, to uh, the delay speed so that you get this really nice delay speed change. Wow. And then you get three of those because there's three layers, so all the delays are changing at different so that's Wow. A, that's a little bit of geekery for you. And actually, yeah. for, 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 for people listening, back background sound geeks we, we, we have now the fire is working effectively and it now sounds a little bit like a train which I like yeah, um, but that's what's really happening roaring. in the background yeah yeah so, so yeah. um so those tunes there's probably another one that I'm not remembering right now but um no the album was much more like okay spend time with the piano like get to grips with the music do that and some of the tracks are from the first piano and some of them are from the second most of them are from the second piano and it was much more kind of opportunity to say, okay, like sort it out, come on, focus, do right. some of your own music, and actually make that um, that kind of um, wow. It's really sounding like a train, isn't it? It is sounding like a I train. I might just do some think, sort of altering to it. Yeah, maybe. It, if I get too distracting, I might call Richard. Rich just come and like check it out. Yeah, but he's I going think, up with those things. Yeah, is that right. All right? Yeah, that's that? fine. It looks okay. nice and it sounds uh, <laughs> less noisy, so that's good. I found it quite a sort of slow, arduous um, transition from being an interpreter of other people's music to a creator of my own music. Right. I still find it basically impossible to say I'm a composer I think that I make some tunes that I play myself you know right. it was quite sweet on in tune last week or whenever it was a couple of weeks ago on Radio 3 and they said pianist and composer Sarah Nichols I was like Radio 3 have just called me a composer I think that means <laughs> you official. are one right That's, yeah um but you know it's it's a curious thing I don't know it's I suppose it's slightly to do with confidence I guess it's also to do with 
what I know about what like a proper composer can do. You know, they can yeah. write music that other people will play. So it's not just sort of made through the fingers, but it's made through. I don't know, creating patterns or generating material in a different right. way, I suppose. Right. So I I guess there's, you know, plenty of musicians that, that make and play their own music. So I guess I'm, I don't know, putting myself in yeah. much more of that category than a sort of pen to paper. Here's right. my orchestral score sort of. Right, singer-songwriter, kind of musician-songwriter. Right. Yeah. yeah, something like that, yeah. And I did try and make an album in 2013 and then lost all the material it was a bit of a like hard drive disaster and so again just kind of yeah a bit like painful kind of going back to things and realizing that I hadn't got the mastered you know version or the the final mix or whatever but it just felt really important that I take the opportunity of the tour to kind of say right I'm going to make an album right and just dedicate you know a few months to kind of sorting that out because I think um the other thing with having a theatrical piano is that I could get quite kind of excited and caught up in all of the, you know, chain, the moving of the piano and the different positions and the kind of telling of a story and all of that. And mm. actually just sitting at the piano and having the discipline to discover whether it sounded better with a plectrum, you know, like this or a plectrum like that, or, you know, whether this harmonic was better than that one or, you know, the sort of right. like detail, the nitty gritty stuff. Easy to get caught up with the visual yeah. delight of it right. and, and not think about the sound right. that you're making. That's you really know, interesting. And that was meant to be the whole point of having made a piano in the first place. Yeah. So sort of trying to, yeah, be a bit more disciplined and focused. And recording the piano, I mean, has that been a, that must have been interesting to work out how to do that. I yeah, mean, I mean, again, actually having to make the show is quite useful in that regard because we had to figure out how to mic it whilst it could also be moved. So it's all radio mics. But then actually the, like, again, it's like geekery, just attaching of it, uh, of the mics to the piano. So we made like two goosenecks, um, which have got, yeah, for recording, they've got my AKG, like, stereo pair, piano pair. And then on the back, I've got a Schertler contact mic, which is a really nice right. contact mic, um, just to give it a bit more warmth and depth. So, and then obviously you can kind of mix those differently according to whether you're doing like an air sound or a right. soundboard sound. I mean, did you take it into a studio to do that? No, the... I just did it in the lounge. Wow. Yeah. Good. I had, um, I'm a big believer in that, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you just can, can't you? I yeah. mean, you know, get your logic going. It's like, it's actually... And also, it's it's so much part of the process. It was nice because Leafcutter John produced the album, who's a musician I massively respect. And, um, you know, we had a chat right at the beginning, and I said, oh, so should I sort of book a studio? Like, should we have a week where we're recording? And he said, well, is that how you do it normally? You know, is that how you make stuff? And I, I sort of said, no, not really. Right. <laughs> and he said, well, don't bother doing that then. Right. <laughs> just, just do whatever you normally do. And actually, there's so much noodling you know, so much like you do a bit and then you record over it and then mix that. And, you know, there's yeah. just loads of delightful hours of sort of moving this little bit and, you know. Right. So the pieces were kind editing. of like, were they written through the recording process? Then? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff, like, that sort of resonates a lot with sort of stuff I've done in like right. improvising and then you do a bit and then you go back and then mm. you'd like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's, yeah, people don't, I mean, some people do, but I think sometimes people don't think about that kind of a comp compositional process of mm. this idea of like laying it down, going back, fiddling around. Mm. Like that's it's an interesting thing to do. I mean, and she and you were writing it all yourself, right? Yeah. 
so I mean how did you decide like how did you decide what to use and what not to so, use I mean, yeah I mean, so how, I mean I basically a had a weird massive, question no it's not a weird question it's a totally sensible one I've got an answer for it <laughs> excellent um, yeah I basically had a massive piece of paper which I divided into sort of bigish squares and then I just started writing in those squares sounds that went together so it was like slate goes really nicely with the straws stuck in between the strings then bowed with a rosined hand or you know um like the magnets go really nicely with the bolts which also go well with if you've got a bit of inner bike tire which you sort of stretch around the string and then kind of bow up and down and you get this really nice vibration so yeah I started to basically sort of a bit anthropological sort of gather sounds that seem to be a family right and then um gradually made tunes out of those so and often the sounds suggest the tune because if you've got a magnet on a certain string, then it will create a particular kind of um, multiphonic that um, then suggests a certain atmosphere. And then if you then work with that atmosphere, so for example, cold was very much that's how that started. I kind of played one note and went, whoa, hang on, there's a whole track in that note. Now I've wow. just got to kind of find that. So I guess it's a that's bit like really when novelists talk about books I always find that amazing when they sort of say I didn't know what the character was going to do right I just started with that character right, you know, and right, I, right. I'm like really whoa that's crazy you know that they didn't sort of have this whole story figured out that actually it was just more they knew the person and they knew maybe something that happens to that person and maybe another a person related to them but then actually it's only by the writing of it that they find you yeah know, the whole story which right so I guess it's yeah coming back to the following your nose thing, which, which is why it doesn't feel like like sort of um, sensible composition or serious research or something because it's like actually it's just you know the intuitive discovery of something. But but there is something very serious about intuitive discovery. I right. mean, this is it's like we we sort of put it in a weird hierarchy. I mean, I do the same. Right. Like, and it's like we sort of go well, this kind of creating things that's proper. Right. And this yes. is what I'm doing. Yes. Oh no, no, that's not proper. I do it myself. Yeah. Um, and it's it's strange that we do that. And it's interesting that somebody who's so like you, you are like technically good at playing a <laughs> piano um, and you are like a, an academic with all of like the qualifications that that entails. You still feel like, well, well you know, yeah, I'm just yeah, fiddling, yeah. I'm fiddling yeah, around. Fiddling, it's yeah. not really. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about it just then when I was trying to get Sylvie to sleep and I was thinking about the whole art research thing. And the pleasure of art really is that you're sort of allowed to relate it to real life, isn't it? That... Yeah. That's the big thing, you know. I mean, it would just be a bit weird if in a research paper I suddenly started talking about childbirth. It'd be like, hang on, what? You, you know, we're talking about inventing pianos here. Right. But there's something sort of delightfully messy, isn't there, about just mixing it up with yeah. real life. So, yeah. You've gone through some very academic, very mathematic, very kind of what all of these different sort of things. And, but now it's a really yeah. human thing that you're right. doing. And, like, you're working really with physical... And and Tangible, the music that's yeah. coming out of that is is kind of like, yeah, is 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 creating these emotional effects in people. You yeah, know, that's a fascinating. It's a fascinating thing well, to have gone on that it's journey. It's kind of pleasing as well because actually there is a a bit of an odd dissociation to play music that actually requires maybe a certain sort of audience or a certain sort of thinking or a certain sort of setting, and instead making something that actually can just be taken a bit more easily a bit more broadly perhaps mm. I mean of course all of those questions of accessibility are sort of nonsense I was actually making vegetable soup last week in mixed year by Stockhausen was on the radio and I was like this is amazing <laughs> <laughs> and I just quite like the domesticity mixed with the like 
you know, hardcore, hardcore experimental. experimentalism. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Right. It sort of really worked somehow. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I suppose it's the take it at face value, isn't it? Just having open ears and right because being, being up for the audiences do a similar thing to what we're we, we're talking about what we should we do about art it's like audiences often go that's not for me right like, totally that's, that's not and, and I always think that's so frustrating because yeah like I love pop art like popular art and yeah. like but I also love experimental stuff yeah, and yeah. I think I know that everybody probably has some experimental weird stuff that they would like yeah and some pop art that they would like and, and people don't they yeah, put well, themselves in a the box thing for me about talking to the parents in the tour towns that I'm going to because it was like actually if I talk to you about this thing that you definitely know relates to you then you might come with open ears to this other thing that you don't think relates to you right and then actually they're all like oh yeah this is great I totally love your music amazing you know yeah um but of course if you'd said would you like to come to an experimental music theater show with a you yeah, know with a right. piano that's designed for extended techniques yeah <laughs> like, right probably not <laughs> no but would you like to come and ex- and share in an experience of being a mother and right. childbirth yes so, yeah. loads of people want to do yeah, that yeah yeah theater's got it all basically hasn't it <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> i've realized that <laughs> a, yeah well i'm a fan of theater for sure <laughs> So yeah, the last. I mean, it's first of all, it's been a real pleasure getting even pleasure better acquainted with you. you. I love, really I love nice. like the you're op- very well researched. Well done. Well, yeah, <laughs> you've d- done some excellent preparation before the show. Obviously. <laughs> but I mean, like it's it is like a, a pleasure for me, like having this excuse to have these like in depth conversations yes. with people who I wouldn't necessarily like. We, you know, we've had a really lovely time yeah, with yeah. me staying here. Um, and we'll carry on doing that. We've sure, got sure. some wine and all of that that's yeah. going to happen after this is over. But, like, it's just lovely to have the excuse to, like, just properly sit down and, like, like pay attention to somebody yeah. else and, like, yeah. do that. So It's, it's what I kind of always good. hope for from a social situation. I realise right. sometimes I'm a bit intense because I kind of want to get to the core of it. You right. Know? And actually something People like, have said that about right. me as well in, in the past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One-on-one is a, is a nice, like, it's a nice genre of conversation. I mm. love I love mm. it. Um, so it's been a real pleasure doing it. And the last thing that I ask everybody is, do you have anything to plug? Which I guess we've kind of been doing a little bit for sure. the show. Sure, yeah, I can do the, like, links. Yeah, where whatever. can they find it? So basically, if you go to www.sarahnichols.com so it's Sarah S-A-R-A-H and then Nichols N-I-C-O-L-L-S dot com and basically it's all there the album tab and the talk to me is the you know the audience development thing and the tour dates are on there and I'm going to Colchester and Birmingham and York in kind of February late February and then um, Cheltenham in July and hopefully there's going to be a London date being added April, May, hopefully. I might, I might wait till that. Like, come to <laughs> well, you know, it's does your cost risk. Money to, I've, I've done the journey. I know it costs money. <laughs> so yeah, and the album is going to have a digital launch, digital download. So it's going to be online oh, from wow. the twelfth of February. Brilliant. Um, but if you want an actual piano key, then basically at the minute you've got to come to a show or ask me really nicely, and I might post you a black key. But if you right. want a white key then you have to come to the show because they're the ones with the actual thing embedded in it. So. Yeah, and Sorry, I'll just turn that off. <laughs> and they're, well, they're, um, they're, they're, I guess that that's a kind of limited edition. Uh, th- you know, there's only a certain amount of notes and then they're yeah. gone. Yeah, and it's really beautiful because they're numbered because the piano tuner needs the keys to be numbered so that if they take some keys out, they know where to put them back. So it's a limited edition that's like automatically pre-numbered, which is... Wow. Just really lovely, like they're carved into the keys. So, 
Well, that's and lovely. they've all got my little stickers on with the wrong notes and you know all of that. So. That's amazing, and that's that's another thing. Like, it's nice to have a physical, like object as well like that's something we often don't have in this kind of digital world which I think there's pros and cons to that but it's nice that there's this kind of physical thing when when the show and the album it sounds like as well are about physical things they're about the piano they're about the process of well and also pianos yeah Yeah. I mean you know I, I know we're wrapping up but pianos you know they are going out of fashion and they are getting discarded and they are chucked away at a fast rate you know and actually things like the Luke Jerem piece Play Me I'm Yours where there's just upright pianos scattered around you know actually I feel like there's a sort of the, the piano hasn't it hasn't run its course yet you know it's still something that people relate to and can still be kind of part of our lives so mm. yeah it's very much my my mission if you like to maintain that to make sure we have you know like future pianos well yeah I mean because it is like as an instrument it's fascinating because it is a lot of different instruments like and that's what hmm. you do when you take it apart you you demonstrate yeah, yeah, yeah. that like I've always found it fascinating because it's percussion and right. also strings yeah. and also like and the keys doesn't feel like it's yeah yeah and a harp and yeah yeah like it, it, there's so much we can learn from pianos and so I think it definitely should stay around in, in, mm. in, in our musical vocabulary. And well, and having the strings, I mean, that's the big thing, because yeah. people Cause get keyboards, keyboards have them, thinking, yeah. you know, oh, it's basically a piano, whereas my thinking is, no, it's really not. Right. <laughs> You're really missing a lot of it. You know, yeah. it's really it's funny that I measured a Steinway and looked at the stats of an iceberg, and the bit that floats above the surface and the bit that's below the surface, it's about 10% above and 90% below. And that's basically the exact dimensions of a Steinway concert ground, 10% for the keys, and 90% for all the submerged wow. inside. So. Well, that's an amazing thing to, <laughs> to leave people with. The, the last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Oh, goodbye, listener. Thank you very much for listening. Bye, everybody. So that was two different conversations stitched together that were also the same conversation. And editing it made me think about how the shows have a very different energy when they're in a public space. And the conversation is a very different kind of conversation that happens when it's in a public space than when it's one-on-one in a room. And I enjoy both of those energies, I think. Although I lean probably more towards the one-on-one in a room, but I have to take what I can get as somebody who wants to have conversations with people without getting in the way of their lives too much. And my guests come on the show for no money and so I try to make them have the best experience possible although it is a lot of time and effort that goes into editing the shows making the shows finding time to speak to people sometimes twice if I delete a file and so if you can spare any money to help me to make getting better acquainted and to help me to make it as a freelancer in this world please do so you can donate to the show by going over to www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk and that will take you to the soundcloud page where you just need to click on the paypal donate button and that will take you to a thing where you can choose how much you want to give to me and however little it is or however much it is it's really gratefully appreciated so sarah's album is going to be released very very soon so look out for that digital download another thing that's happening very very soon is that on the 18th of february in the dog star in brixton i'm doing my show 
What About the Men, Mansplaining Masculinity, which you can find out more about at www.mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. And that's the place where you can find the survey that I did of over a thousand men about their feelings and thoughts on patriarchy. You can find that there. We referred to that in today's conversation. And that is part of a double bill called Stand Up Tragedy Presents, where after my show, we'll be showing one of the first ever performances of Jambi McGrath's show, A Last Dance with My Father. That's in its very early preview stage. It's just coming together and being worked out, so you get to see Jambi doing material that she might never ever do again the night starts at 7 30 that's when the doors open my show happens at eight o'clock and jambies happens at 9 15 it's pay whatever you think it's worth or whatever you can afford considering what you think the shows are worth so if you haven't got very much money you can come for free and if you can afford to give us money then please do so because we're both trying to make a living and next week's guest will be Jambi McGrath and she'll be talking about that show and about lots of other things so listen next week to get an idea of the other person who you could see on that stage on the 18th. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like it on Facebook. www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk is one place you can find it. And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted. <laughs> <laughs>